I'm reading from The Universe's Calling by Eric Butterworth. There is something very special about a group, large or small. If the members of the group come with a common bond of interest, from the bonding emerges the group's soul. Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. This is mistakenly interpreted to mean Jesus is in the midst of the group. There is one of the cases where Jesus is speaking in the absolute, referring to the transcendent awareness of the I am. The great power of a church con congregation or a small prayer group is not in the music and sermons of the service or the words exchanged in the group, but rather in the mystical process that I call the power of the swarm. When a group, large or small, comes together in a commitment of spiritual union or communion, that group becomes a group soul, a consciousness to which each person gives and from which each one receives. This soul has its needs, and at the same time, it contains the answers to its needs, which include all the needs of the people involved. People often say to me, after a worship service that included a lesson or lecture on truth, how did you know my need? You were talking right to me. It is the group process at work. And in the small prayer group, when we achieve a group consciousness of unity, certain members of the group will become agents for the expression of just the right answers to another's needs. To understand the group power of the swarm, think for a minute of a swarm of bees, a school of fish, or a large flight of starlings. The individual entities in some mysterious way become locked into the whole body. A transcendent force seems to take over, controlling and guiding the whole body, creating patterns of motion so complex that they seem to have been choreographed from above. Flocks of birds and schools of fish have a distinctive style of behavior with a fluidity and a seeming intelligence that transcends the abilities of their members. The vast flight of starlings is capable of turning en masse, avoiding collisions within the flock without any one leader. Fish, too, their vision limited in murky water, manage complex, seemingly instantaneous maneuvers when alarmed by an intruder. In the prayer group or large worship service, if there is a willingness to swarm, to let go of self and its ego needs and give oneself over to the larger group, good of the group, there is a tremendous power, potential for power. Required are love, humility, and commitment to the greater good of all. If you give yourself lovingly to the group and trust the process, you will receive great blessings. And so it is. Good morning. I'm Reverend Patrick Cameron, and it is my delight to be with you this morning. So with that said, let's uh, come together in the love and the humility and the commitment to ourselves and to one another. If you'd like to stand while we sing a song and, and say a prayer, you're welcome to do that. In this very room, 
There's quite enough love for all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy for all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear for spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. As we stand together today to remember. We come together each week to remember, to remember who and what we are, whom's and what we are. That this life, this planet, and every member of humanity on this planet is a son and daughter of the infinite. And it is our opportunity to stand in that awareness, to be reminded of that, and know that whatever it is that we need in each moment, it is made clear to us if we are receptive and listening, if we're paying attention, if we can put down our daily concerns for a brief bit of time for that infinite divine intelligence to inform us and guide us and lead us. And so it is in that consciousness of love, humility and commitment to this idea that I know we move forward this day. For the next few minutes, let us be in that consciousness. Let us know that our gift of love for ourselves first and foremost is a gift to each person that sits with us this day. That the love radiates out into this community where there are people struggling, where there are people that are living in lack or, or limitation in some way, shape, or form, which is the facts of their life, but it's not the truth of who and what they are. So let us look there for our brothers and sisters on this planet and know the truth for them, that they have everything they need to move forward, to realize how loved they are, how important they are, that they are first in line right here and right now as we are. And for this set, for this beautiful music that we have shared this morning, I am so grateful. I am so grateful for this life. And that which we bless continues to grow and enhance itself in our experience. So let us bless it all and say yes to it. And with that said, I give thanks. I release these words. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you. Please be seated. Thank you, Bob, for that beautiful song. It's always such a joy to have you here. Uh, with us and uh, just an incredibly talented man that I'm always so impressed with that that actually lives and brings to us in his own beautiful unique way what exactly it is we talk about every Sunday and I just I love that thank you so much it's just uh, I'm humbled by your your gift so today the title of my uh, my uh, sharing is entitled potato 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 There was a point in Ernest Holmes' career where uh, a woman that had been a long member and follower and student of his came to him and said, My husband is a scientist, and he loves everything that you have to say, except when you use the G word. Can't stand that G word, the God word. I just can't deal with that G word. And so Dr. Holmes thought about it a little bit, and he said, Well, send him in. I want to talk to him for a little bit. And so the man came in and said, You know, I... 
you know, I love, I love the teaching. I love what you have to say. I realize that this is, you know, such a departure from what I've been raised in and for most of us and exposed to most of our lives. But this whole God thing is just, it, it just makes me stop in my tracks. And Dr. Holmes said, well, then just every time I say God, you insert the word potato for yourself. And that'll make it easier for you. And he said, you know what, what about, I know about that is that eventually the word potato will start to annoy you. So don't worry about it. But I think it's, it's, it's an interesting take on how Dr. Holmes be, uh, approached this because he, didn't, he realized that it really didn't matter what the words were. It's really about the consciousness. It's really about how we filter the words because words mean so many different things to so many. I mean, even the word love means so many different things for all of us. And, 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 that's not the, and the goal isn't that we all agree. The goal is that I think that we take what we teach and we, we apply it in our lives with meaning. Our teaching is no good if all we do is come together on Sunday and we, and we talk about it and we whisper about it among our friends that support us. But we're not taking it out into the world and, and living it. Dr. Butterworth says in this beautiful book, The Universe is Calling, that our spiritual practice does not, we do not ask for God's assistance. We do not ask for God's assistance because when we ask for God's assistance, all of a sudden we decide that God's out there somewhere. God is something other than we are. Where we contact the infinite is within our own hearts. Bob spoke about it this morning. He said this, all of a sudden this, this seed was planted by um, another artist and all of a sudden the words started showing up for the song. I was driving over here. I didn't write a song from this. But I was driving over here on Friday and I said, I've got to call so-and-so. And I reached down to pick up my cell phone, and it was a completely random thought. It wasn't something even on my radar screen, but I reached down and pulled out my cell phone, and here he, he was calling me that very moment. His name was on the cell phone. I thought, isn't this amazing? When we're relaxed and we're open and we're available uh, it, and not driven in some behavior, but all of a sudden it was right and perfect. And so we talked, and I don't think we solved any worldly problems, but it was just very interesting that... That, and I know that you've had that experience where you think of someone and the telephone rings. You've had those moments of that infinite communication that's always going on. And is that the goal? You know, is that one of the goals? No, I just think it's a byproduct. It's one of the byproducts of paying attention and listening deeply. So we believe, as Dr. Holmes, Dr. Ernest Holmes, right up there, said, part of our, our declaration of principles, and one of them is that we believe that the universal spirit, which is God, or potato, operates through a universal mind, which is the law of the potato, and that we are surrounded by this creative mind which receives the direct impress of our thoughts and acts upon it. See, this infinite intelligence we live in, and it receives the impress of every thought. Every thought is really a prayer. And that's why, fortunately, prayers aren't answered immediately. You know, it's because most of our prayers, I'm sick and tired, start with sick and tired, or God, and then there's a, his middle name is Dam, and then there's It for his last name. All of those things that we've, we've I, for my, I've, I've engaged in that. I can't say you have, but for myself, there was a time in my life when that was the, the predominant theme of my thought tendency, that life was a struggle, that I was on guard all the time, that I was in competition with everyone, and that I had to fight to get mine. All of those kind of popular ideas. And then all of a sudden, I found this teaching, and I thought, wow, what an incredible idea, but there's no way I can apply this in my life. This is just a theory. This is like, you know, the string theory. I can read about it, I can you know, contemplate it, but I'll never be able to apply it in my life. And the more and more I spend time with this, this uh, teaching, all of a sudden it became more and more available in my daily way of living. So Dr. Butterworth says that 
that the way we access this in our lives is very simple. The way he, this whole book, The Universe is Calling, is really a wonderful book. Uh, these are in our bookstore, by the way. A fabulous take on how we approach prayer and, and, and a bit of touching upon some of the ideas of, of Christianity in the West primarily. Because that's the culture we live in. You know, Christianity is the culture we live in. Most of our Science of Mind textbook, which is our teaching, is based on this idea of the life of, of Jesus of Nazareth, this avatar or great master teacher. Dr. Butterworth says, number one, we need to relax and let go of the problem. Well, when you're in the problem, it's very hard to relax and let go of the problem. How do you do that? How do you, when you have the problem, you think, no, I've got to relax and let it go. Oh, wait a minute. Where's that going to bring me? Because I'm busy white-knuckling this thing. I'm, I'm going to wrestle this thing to the ground and defeat it and stomp it to death or whatever it may be that we do metaphorically. But, but uh, how do we relax and let go of the problem? Because I, know, I think we need more than that. We need another step. We need a step or two beyond that in order for us to make sense of this. Otherwise, we go right back into the spin, this repetitive thinking about how I'm going to fix this problem. And so he suggests the next one is to get grounded with that still point within, the silence. And thus, the, the, the benefit of having spirit, some form of, of removing ourselves from that habitual thinking. It's really about slowing that thought pattern down and becoming still and becoming quiet. So letting go of the problem in that, those moments of meditation, that's why meditation is so important. I have, uh, for my birthday, which was a couple of, uh, a week or so ago, Laura gifted me with a Sony iPod dock, which is an alarm clock, and you can set your clock to wake up to whatever song you want, because I used to wake up to some guy on Ched 630, uh, hollering about the, you know, whatever. And I thought, you know, first thing I hear every morning is some guy that I don't even know. And it's, you know, I mean, we're exposed to that. So, oh, great, I can put something on there I love. And the only problem is, now I've spent like two, a week and a half now, or whenever it was, uh, trying to turn the alarm off. And there's no button, there's no, there's no instructions. And I have read all the instructions, you know. Whenever anything, everything else fails, read the instructions. I've done that. And I can't get that alarm shut off. It plays for three minutes every day. And what I've done now is I set it for a time when we're not home. So when it goes off for three minutes, it doesn't maybe bothers the neighbors, but it's not bothering me anymore. And so my son Max said to me this morning, because he heard it going off, he said, what's that? And I said, that's the alarm. He said, well, why don't you shut it off? I said, can't. <laughs> and he said, I could shut it off. I said, Max, I'll give you $10 if you can shut that alarm off. He finished what he was eating and he bounded up the stairs and came back down about five minutes later and said, I, I, I don't have time right now to deal with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, just read the instructions. That's all it takes. So, relaxing and letting go of the problem. Getting grounded at that still point within each and every one of us. And then what Dr. Butterworth talks about is projecting that energy and that awareness that comes to us in that moment of quiet. Because many times for me, meditation is simply a reflection of where I am in my life and I'm in my day. And if it's a busy day and a lot of things to, to, to do and to manage and get... So my meditation is very busy, 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 busy. But eventually, things sort of quiet down. Eventually the thought comes and I just bless it. My practice is to, to, dissolve, to dissolve whatever comes up into my heart. It's a Sufi meditation. It's a silent meditation. But when the, the idea comes and I'm struggling with it, I go, oh, I'm going to dissolve this in my heart. And if it's something I'm excited about and it's wonderful, I say, oh, and I'm going to dissolve it into my heart. And so this practice for me to just open my heart to all of it and embrace it all, whether it's good or bad or, it, you know, or neutral, whatever it may be. 
But in that meditation, then I can, then I can get clear about what it is that I, what is the problem? As Dr. Butterworth says, what's the problem? What sh- ought it look like? What should it look like? And based on what it ought to look like, what am I? So if I'm, I'm not doing physical health well, what should it look like? Well, it should look like harmony and balance and peace and vibrancy and energy. Okay, so then that leads me to what I release in my mind when I'm doing the meditation. So then what I know, I am in this moment. I am healthy and I'm vibrant and I'm energized and every cell in my body is functioning beautifully and wonderfully and in balance and in harmony. And then when I forget, I go back into it as often as possible because then I sneeze or I cough or I, you know, I make my way somewhere and go, oh, golly, I'm tired. And then the opportunity for me is this, you know what, do I want to keep claiming that for myself? I mean, this is how we do this throughout our day. It's how I do it. And then I have to bring myself back to that place and say, no, what I'm supporting myself in is this experience. What I'm supporting myself, I think for an artist, when they write a song, when, they, when someone writes a book, I think they plant the seeds and then all of a sudden that book comes through them. We can, you've read books that are, have been sort of forced and, and uh, have been sort of manipulated. And you can, there's an energy about it. It's a wonderful story I think most of you know, speaking about energy, uh, by Jill Bolte Taylor. She was just on Oprah this week. And her book is called My Stroke of Insight. I showed her video here hmm, six months ago. She's the neuro, uh, neurologist, brain scientist that had the stroke. And she describes it in this amazing book. And what happened for her with the stroke is that the left side of her brain completely shut down. The right side of the brain, which is where all the creativity is, where the present moment is, where we access this infinite intelligence, all of a sudden was the only thing she could function from. And so what she saw, she said, she lost the ability to differentiate form. What she saw was energy. So she leaned against her... As it was happening, she realized she would lean against the wall and she'd look and she couldn't differentiate the energy of her arm from the wall because all she could, could perceive was from the right side of the brain, which is present moment experience. And so it's a wonderful story. She talks about when she's in the hospital, her friends, she finally made the phone call to get help and she had to find the business card and then she had to match the squiggles because she couldn't read numbers at that point in time with what has going on in her brain. She'd match the squiggle and the business card to call her friends to get help with the number on the phone and she said what she'd have to do each time she dialed it she'd have to cover the number so she wouldn't dial it again because she'd forget she'd already dialed the number. So she was totally in that right side of the brain and she got to the hospital and so when she was in the hospital and they were doing the diagnosis and figuring out what to do for her and it's a, rare, it's a rare situation with what happened for her that she actually survived. Most, 85% of the people that have this experience don't survive and they make their transition. But she said at one point in time, her mother was coming. But she had no idea who her mother was. She didn't remember anything, lost all the memories. And the doctors and her friends that were there said, well, Gigi's coming. And she was looking around like, well, who's Gigi? And, and the talk was, Gigi's coming. And finally, Gigi walks into the room. And he said, here's this little lady that comes in the room. And the doctor's all standing around her. And she, Gigi walks over, doesn't say a word. And she, she lifts up the sheet and gets into bed with Jill Bolte-Taylor and just starts to rock her and hug her. Just hugging her. Because there was nothing to say. You know, she knew that her daughter wasn't going to be able to hear what she had to say. But what Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about in this, her, that experience is she got very clear, even to this day, of the energy that people bring. What energy are you bringing? She said when the nurses would come into her room to take care of her, she could tell the nurses that really cared, the ones that were there to really help facilitate healing. 
The ones that weren't there or were busy or preoccupied or just weren't present moments, she knew that too. Once again, and this is not right or wrong. It's just simply, when we apply these principles in our lives, it's such a beautiful companion to this experience she had because then we realize that we show up as, we show up as the infinite's emissary. We don't, we don't pray to this, this form out there, although that form is out there as well. We, we pray from it. We pray from the consciousness of the one. It's a beautiful story. There's, I, I have been looking at this book, and I wanted to read the whole thing this week, and I got through part of it. But she says, she says this after she's come out of this recovery, because she said when she was in the right brain, it was such a beautiful experience, such a powerful experience. This sense of oneness with all things, the thing that the mystics have been talking about, the things that the teacher from Nazareth talked about, the oneness of life, this unconditional love, that God is a loving presence. God is an energetic or potato if God's a, a stop for you. She said, for instance, she, she wonders, do I have to regain, talking about coming back into balance with her previous experience, where she was very judgmental, very analytical, angry. She said, all that went. She said, in that present moment experience, I, I, all my baggage disappeared. Excuse me, all, the, all of the things that, that I held on to with resentment and fear disappeared. So she asked this question, do I have to, to, do I have to regain the, the effect, emotion, or personality trait that was neurologically linked to the memory or ability that I wanted to recover. So in order to be recovered, do I have to, do I have to forget this experience, the right brain experience, get back into the left again? For instance, would it be possible for me to recover my perception of myself where I existed as a single, solid, separate from the whole without recovering the cells associated with my egotism, intense desire to be argumentative, need to be right, or fear of separation and death? Could I value money without hooking into the neurological loop of lack, greed, or selfishness? Could I regain my personal power in the world, play the game of hierarchy, and yet not lose my sense of compassion, perception of equality among all people? Could I re-engage with my family and not hook into my issues related to being a little sister? Most important, could I retain my newfound sense of connection with the universe in the presence of my left hemisphere's individuality? I know it's a lot of words and it's a bit of reading, but there's, it, it's such a beautiful idea because that's what we struggle with. How do we apply these principles? How do we live the, this practical, mystical life where we're listening and always knowing, I don't know right now, but something within me does know. I, every conversation that's going on for me that I'm listening to, when I'm listening to that still small voice, is for me. How do I, and how do I put down solving and fixing and correcting everything that, I, that is unacceptable in my experience? I was talking to someone, a member here, a few weeks back, and they, had, they were talking about the recovery, <clears throat> talking about their 12-step recovery. And they said, it take, take, because of the addiction, because of the chemical dependency on a, a, a foreign substance, it took about three years for this individual to get their mind right. Three years to get their mind right. And I thought, that's very insightful, because so many of us may not be practicing a, an addiction of substance. We may be practicing a, an addiction of thought in the way of being that is just as, that is just as detrimental and so we come and we have, the, we have our experience here on Sunday and we may, perhaps we work with a practitioner, perhaps we take a class. And it is, it is the ongoing pro process that we're involved with here. It takes time. I'll tell you, whenever I sit down, we do a practitioner review every year. And these are the, the people that have... A practitioner is someone that has studied for a number of years here. It's, now it's about a four-year track of study to become a practitioner here. So when they come up at the end, these are people that have made the commitment to themselves and their commitment to themselves, as, as the power of the swarm indicates, it's a gift to all of us. 
Because when you watch their experience, they, they're transformed. It's their continued growth and, 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 and uh, commitment to themselves. And, this is, and it's a beautiful path, but it's, it's just one path. But some choose to walk that path. And what I, what I get from those people to a person is talking about how their life has changed as a result of this teaching. My life is so different now than it was X number of years ago. And I know for you, whether you have the luxury or the opportunity or not to do that, I, I believe that if we engage this at some level, our lives do change. Our lives are transformed. We're about transformation. Where in the world does this go on? Where in the world, where in the world do you go? I know there are other places in the world. There's a, a few other centers in Edmonton. There's other places to go. But for the most part, this is not a popular idea. But what I know is that when I listen to this and I watch what happens, great, great, wonderful things happen as a result of this engaging in this teaching. Wonderful transformation takes place. And the, the, why it's so powerful is because your transformation, it is your learning, it is your knowing, it is your growing. It is not anyone here, myself included, imposing or imparting or telling you how you have to be or how you, how you have to think. Only that you may approach this in a different way. And wherever you are in your life, and if it's if it's the, you're in the dire straits, that there's a there's a way through this. There absolutely is. But if we if we close off that conversation, if we if we close off off the opportunity for to be informed and to be in, to be guided, Doctor uh, Butterworth talks about it that this infinite presence is love. This infinite presence is always flowing. This infinite presence is always informing, because it is infinite intelligence. So what a beautiful, and so when he talks about love, humility, and commitment, see, it's the, the humility to say, oh, I don't know. But it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I don't know, because then we can listen deeply, and we can be informed, to be pliable, to be able to stand and say, it's not a, it's not a character flaw to say, I don't know. Have you, do you know anybody that has all the answers? I know a few of them. <clears throat> so I know when I talk to them, I'm not going to have much of an opportunity to share. I'll be listening a lot. And so what I find many times is that I just endure the conversation. And I say, yeah, mm -hmm, okay, yeah, yeah, got it. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not a very interesting conversation. Because I find in the, in the, in the opportunities for connection in relationship that when you have an opportunity, a conversation with someone, all of a sudden you find the common spirit. All of a sudden, the new ideas emerge, and all of a sudden, something wonderful is given birth to. Some of it they bring, some of it you bring, or whatever it may be. But it's a wonderful thing. Those are the conversations that are fun. Those are the things that are powerful. So about three years. If you're new, to, it takes about three years to get your mind wrapped around this. I'd say for myself, that was pretty accurate. The ministers that I, I, I followed that were my mentors used to say, you know, I've been in the science of mind for 20 years and it's been in me for the last 10 or 5 or 3 or 2 or a week. But we do, we, it does find a home within us. And it deepens and it grows. And it's a, it's a, it's a progression. So as Eric says, what is the problem? What should it look like to transform it Transform it to the oughtness. What ought this look like? What ought this look like in my life? What are you settling for? See, lack may be your experience, but that's not the truth of who and what you are. Illness may be your experience, but that's not the truth of who and what you are. It's your experience. It's true in this moment. But uh, when, when we work together with one another, it's, uh, he talks in here about the amen. 
See, our word has power. The reason that we don't say amen, because amen for most people is prayer's over. Amen. Prayer's over. Cool. Right at the end. We don't, amen really means, it, it, it's, it, it, when you track it back, they used to say verily. Verily is it is true. Verily. It is true. It means it is true. But we don't say verily. How many of you have used verily in the last week? That <laughs> not one of you. Verily. So we say, and so it is. Why do we say, and so it is? Because we have declared our truth, that we know that we stand in the oneness to the, the depth of being that we can. We stand in our oneness and we say, and so it is. That is our amen. And eventually, our and so it is is not for anybody else. It's for us. This is my truth. I stand in integrity. I stand in truth. I stand in health. I stand in abundance. I stand in prosperity. I'm doing a lot of reading right now about Robert Schuller. I'm reading his book, Your Church Has a Fantastic Future, because I've asked for guidance. I've asked for help, because we have an opportunity here that, that is incredible. And we have grown to 400 members. We're adding another service. And what I realize is that I need bigger ideas. I need to be stretched. I need to look at the possibilities. This guy was amazing. He went to California. He started, and it, there was no place for him to do church. There was no place for him to do church. He went to California. His friends said, don't even bother coming. There's no place for you to do church. There's nothing available. Moved to Garden Grove, which is very close to Disneyland, Southern California. <clears throat> and he said, yeah, 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 I know. So all the, the Masonic temples and all the other things that were legally available, and they have laws in California where you can set up church. So certain things are not available for, for church. And so he was driving by, and he saw this drive-in movie theater available. And he went up, and he drove in and said, for rent. He said, fantastic. He, he drove in. There's the drive-in movie theater for 10 bucks a Sunday. He rented it. He stood on top of the snack shop and did his talks. And people loved it. You could sit in the comfort of your own car. Imagine. You just drive right in. And if it was a boring talk, you just turn the radio on. Pretend like you're listening. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of options there. And, and from that, I mean, the story is amazing. And I'm going to share bits and pieces of it. But incredible. And, he, and Schuler says this. Is this is your dream? Does it solve a problem? Does your dream for yourself solve a problem? Now, he's relating this to spiritual community. Does this teaching that we teach solve any problems for people? Where can you go in the world and experience this and be reminded? Because I'm not telling anybody here something they don't already know. Our stuff is practical. Take it and use it. And use the words you like and the, and the things that bring you to life. If you're alive, people need to, the, the peop, you need to be alive in, your, in the world. We don't tell you that you have to do anything. We just say stop living in fear and limitation and comparison and competition. We got enough of that going on. Because that's just a distraction. But he says, is this a great thing for the community? Is your idea of you moving, is it a great idea for the community? Will this help a lot of human beings? Is anybody else doing this job? Will it solve a lot of human problems? When I look at that, I say, yes, 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 yes. For my life, what we're doing here. It's exciting. And he says, go to question two. But you can use this in your own life. Is can this dream be pace setting? Is it exciting? Is it different? Is it alive? If this were an exciting and alive idea, everybody in Edmonton would know who we are. Typically now people walk in and go, I had no idea you guys were around. Where have you been? And I want to say, where have you been? But it's our opportunity to, to let people know we're here, what we do. And it's your opportunity to let people know who you are, to get first in line. Get first in line. And the third one is, can this goal be exciting? Is it really exciting? See, I think this should be the most exciting day of your, hour of your week. Now, it may or may not be, but I believe it should be. I think the music should be incredible. I think the talk should be incredible. I think your experience of walking in here should be incredible. I think that you should be able to get the information you need. I think you should be able to work with a practitioner if that's what's 
right and perfect for you. And we can do better jobs in all those areas. But we're committed to that because what we have to do and what we have to offer, I think, is just powerful. It's, transform it's transformative. Any powerful, significant change that has taken place on this planet has been the transformation of consciousness that then plays itself out into the world. And our goal must be practical and it must help people. If it's not practical and doesn't help people, forget it. If it's so lofty and high up there that no one can understand anything, probably why this works so well is that I'm, I'm, I'm a half a step ahead of you guys. Sometimes a half a step behind you. I can't get the alarm turned off on that uh, Sony iPod thing right now. So th those are wonderful things to think about. Those are wonderful opportunities. So it's love. This love is available for all of us. It's, that, it's an energetic of love. It's not just this idea of love. And it flows all the time and it informs all the time. I'm going to just share this little... At the end of Jill Bolte's Taylor's book, the, bat, the last page, if you read it, it's just fantastic. And she has this to say. Here's Gandhi up here. Because I think Gandhi was right when he said, we must be the change we want to see in the world. I, I find that my right hemisphere consciousness is eager for us to take the next giant leap for mankind and step to the right so we can evolve this planet into a peaceful and loving place we yearn for it to be. We're talking about this locally, but that's what we stand for. Ultimately, that is the destination, a world that works for everyone. Our, our mission as, a, as we reintegrate with our sister organization is to touch 100 million lives. If each one of you goes out and impacts 10 people, your life's your ministry. You don't have to go through all the training I went through to be a minister. But you know this teaching well enough so that wherever you are, when I meet people that are in trouble right now, whatever it is, I never leave a conversation on a negative note. I never leave anybody ne in a negative way. I have brothers and sisters that could care less what this is. They don't understand it. They don't want to know what it is. But every time I see them and they're struggling, I say, you know what, I know that you have everything and you're smart enough and resourceful enough to get through this well. And I love you. That's my prayer for them. Because they understand that. It's practical. I don't sit them down and say, well, let me see. You know, you sit here. There's one spirit. <laughs> Come on. Get away from me. You know, they've got... Pretty soon they got a string of onions or uh, garlic around their neck and a <laughs> cross. Your body is the life force power of some 50 trillion molecular geniuses. Have you ever seen that video that Holly Jones did, God bless Holly, the, 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 um, the miracle that is you? Say, it says the same thing. Incredible. We've shown it here a number of times. You and you alone choose moment by moment who and how you want to be in the world. I encourage you to pay attention to what's going on in your brain. Own your power and show up for your life. Get first in line. Beam bright. And when your life force wanes, I hope you will give the gift of hope and donate your beautiful brain to Harvard. Spoken like a brain scientist, right? <laughs> it, it, hopefully some of the, the peace and the, and the clarity that we, we share together has been imparted to you today. This life is such a gift. I mean, this is just such an incredible gift to be together and to be able to be free enough to have this conversation, to think and to create and to continue to, to, to push the envelope forward and say, you know, what we have to offer, not, ju not just this teaching and this tradition, but ourselves as human beings, our compassion and our love for one another. It's an opportunity. It's a gift. It's a joy. And if we fall short, we, tomorrow we get to do more. We, we try again. We pick it up and we, we, we go back at it. We forgive ourselves when it's necessary. When I do something that I don't approve of, I forgive myself immediately. And if it hangs on, I forgive myself again, as the teacher Jesus said, seven times seventy sometimes. 
because I know that that, that, that that declaration in my consciousness is not propelling anyone forward, especially me. So let's know this together. One life, one power, one infinite divine intelligence available in and through and as all of us. And it is love, it is divine intelligence, and it is that flow. It is that energetic flow. So as, I, as we come together and we talk about this, and we share this idea, I know that we flow together. That there, is, there are people within this, this room right here and right now that are being blessed in ways we can't even imagine. Perhaps they don't even know. But when deep calls unto deep, deep answers. So wherever you are in question, wherever the obstacles are, the problems are, are in your life, I know something within you, something that is moving through you and realizing itself and bubbling up for you is, is clarifying your next step, your next moment, your next thought. Bless you. Thank you for doing this work. As we do this work for ourselves, we do it for all. And so I just give thanks. I give thanks for this opportunity to share this. I know as our ushers come forward that our opportunity to give continues to support our programs, to know that there is something we are called to do that is larger than perhaps any of us can imagine. But let us do what we do well this day practically. Let's help one another. Let's help people. Let's help ourselves. I give thanks for knowing that everything that we have discussed today and more is supported as we move through our week in the insights and the intuition and the awareness available for all. For this I give thanks, releasing these words, together we say, and so it is.